When you hear the term ethical, what does it mean to you? Because when I ask different people, different people give me different definitions. I think everyone's idea of an ethical company may mean something different, like maybe how they treat animals or the materials they use and how it impacts the planet. Or maybe it's about how they treat the people that work for them. I think the definition of ethical is ever-changing and ever-evolving, and I think that's a good thing. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of Still Being Molly, and this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I interview an entrepreneur, a CEO, a nonprofit director, a community leader, or just an amazing person who is trying to make a positive impact, not only through their personal life, but also with their professional career. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact right where you are. My guest this week is Sydney Sherman, the founder of FAIR, an online marketplace that connects conscious consumers with ethical brands and artisans. I loved hearing Sydney's story, and I cannot wait for you to dive in with us. So without further ado, on to my conversation with Sydney. Hey, Sydney, welcome to the show. Thanks, Molly. I'm excited to be here. Yes, I am so excited. Now, you just moved to New York City from Austin, Texas, which my husband, so my husband who helps edit my shows laughs because he's like, is every single person you interview from Austin, which that's not, that's, that is an exaggeration, but at the same time, I feel like there are so many ethical and purpose-filled business owners who live in Austin. I mean, I would say it's probably a good portion of my guests are in Austin. So, I mean, I know you were from Austin, so you just moved to New York City, but still, um, do you find that to be true that there's just a lot of entrepreneurs in the Austin area? A lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of new entrepreneurs there, and also ethical. It's just kind of like a mindset there, like having an ethical business. It's not even, and that's what I hope to see in the future is like everywhere, just buying ethically, treating your employees well, just being, you know, a good person (laughs) all around is just like a normal thing in business. And I feel like that's just how it is there. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, before we really dive in to everything about you and uh, FAIR, I want, well, actually, before we dive into about FAIR, um, I want (laughs) to learn about you. So I'm going to have you do what all my guests do, and that's give us the Sydney 101. So tell us your story. Awesome. So Let's see. I was born in Houston to entrepreneurs. Both of my parents uh, have always been entrepreneurs my entire life. They started businesses when they were really young. I've always wanted to start a business. So um, grew up in Houston. I then went to college in Austin, and obviously I stayed. That's where I met my husband, uh, started my first business. Uh, both of my brothers lived there as well. So my whole family moved to Austin, essentially. And both of my brothers have started businesses there. The youngest one is now 21. So we're a very entrepreneurial family, which is really great because it's really hard to start businesses. I mean, as you know, starting anything is is difficult. And so having that support group has just been awesome. And it's just a different mindset, really, like being able to start something. So having like your core group behind you has been really helpful. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I started, so I graduated from college. This is where like my my story like really begins as far as like, you know, and you're in school your entire life if you opt to go to college up until like 21, 22. So your life is in some ways controlled by outside circumstances, although obviously we all have choices. But when I graduated college, that's when I, and I'd always been interested in traveling and I'd always felt like my heartstrings pulled by immigrants or people from other countries, especially like 
really impoverished groups of people. And I don't know why. It's just something that I've always felt. So I traveled to, I've traveled to like 40 countries now. So at that point, wow. I think I did. Yeah, I've traveled a lot. I, I live for it. Um, I, I did an around the world trip. I don't remember how many countries I hit on that trip, but it was, I was constantly on the move. And I really liked exploring the cultures and like talking to the people. I didn't want to make any friends from my country, nothing. I mean, obviously I love my country, but it was all about like exploring these other countries. And so that's when I really started to like come into myself almost. And it formed really like very fundamentally who I am today. And there was one point on that trip. uh, I actually, it was in India and I had been seeing, I went through Europe and then um, Northern, Eastern, Southern, then a bit of the Middle East and then India. And I was supposed to continue on, but there was something about the level of poverty in India that was just, I mean, it was just very disturbing. Like it was almost like nothing I'd ever seen before. I'd seen other poverty, but like it was so pervasive there. Yeah. And so that's really the point where I was like, okay, I want to dedicate my life to this. Like I want to find a way to eradicate extreme poverty especially because I was just seeing like not only were there tons and tons of people and like really destitute situations, but also tons of crafts. Like, I mean, these people needed work. They didn't need like handouts and things like that. So that's when I started thinking like, there's got to be a more sustainable way to figure out how to solve or eradicate extreme poverty. And I really started to think about like, business and extreme poverty and like the connection between the two because that's sustainable that gives people like it kind of puts like their own destiny back in their hands so to speak if we can give people opportunity so that I did that trip came back I knew I wanted to start a business like fair how to do that I was not sure I mean I was still very young so I worked for six months I pretty much always knew that I wasn't going to be the greatest employee so I (laughs) quit that. And I I started a company for administrative assistance. Uh, Let's see, I think I was 22, 23. And I had that for several years. I went back and got my MBA in Austin from a school called Acton. It's for entrepreneurship specifically. And then from there, I launched there. And that brings us to today. Awesome. So if people are not familiar with FAIR. What is sort of your elevator pitch for FAIR? You know, exactly what what was the purpose? What it, what does it do? And what was the purpose behind when you started it? So FAIR is an online marketplace that connects conscious consumers with ethical brands and artisans. So basically, going back to India, when I was seeing all these, and I've been seeing it in other, uh, other countries along the way too, but poverty and markets. And I was thinking there's a plethora of things in these markets. Every time I bring them home, my friends go crazy over them. They love the stuff that I'm bringing home. They want the stuff. There just doesn't seem to be. And you know, you can definitely find plenty of ethical companies. And the coolest thing is that more and more are popping up like every day, it feels like. Mm -hmm. But there's just, it's difficult to find them. And so I wanted to create a way that could connect people on a large scale with these ethical companies that are really like on the ground helping people in impoverished areas or even here just operating with ethical principles. I know I throw the term ethical around a lot and just to like give a rundown of what that means to me because it means something different to everybody probably. Safe working conditions, 
fair wages and that the fair wages part is really tricky um and then environmentally sustainable so yep it, it took me a while to think of the idea for fair it seems really simple in hindsight but uh when i was thinking i thought of a ton of different ideas and finally settled on the marketplace model because i felt like that could have the biggest impact yeah for sure I want to go back a little bit before we dive in because you said something. What does the term ethical mean? And I want to talk about that. Um, but this is a question that just popped up for me when you were just talking about your experiences. And it's maybe a selfish question because I also love to travel. Yeah. So the fact that you have traveled to 40 countries, that's like hashtag goals, as as yeah. the millennials say. Um, what is your favorite Okay, I've got a couple questions. My first question is, what is your favorite unique country you visited? Or what's your favorite country you visited? But like, if you've traveled to 40 countries at this point, you've been to some unique countries that aren't necessarily on people's radars. Yeah, I would say, I mean, I guess my favorites aren't necessarily like super crazy or unique. I really loved Istanbul. Like, Mm. it was just, for me, the East meets the West. And like, there was... I just loved it. Like I would live there for a few years if I could. Um, so that that's probably my favorite. I also love South Africa. So it's, it's not super unique, but South Africa is one of those places. I feel like I could send anybody to like people from like my parents <laughs> range all the way down to like, you know, me when I was just backpacking around with yeah. no money, and, like three outfits. So yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. I've always wanted to go there. And I've heard, I have a couple friends who have been there. One uh, actually traveled abroad. I don't know if it was in Istanbul or like, or studied abroad, I mean, or around it um, and traveled there and visit, spent some time there and just said it's, it's absolutely incredible. Yeah, it's awesome. I also, two other favorites, Mexico City is one of my favorites. Oh. Um, I know it's, and it's so close to where I grew up. So it's really easy for me to visit Mexico city, tons of flights between any Texas city and Mexico city really. Yeah. And then I also really liked Lebanon. Oh. It was very beautiful. Now very I beautiful. love Lebanese food. So yeah. I feel as though I would enjoy Lebanon considering their food is amazing. Oh, you would for sure. I mean, the food so good. And just like, it's, it's tiny, but it's like mountains backing into the ocean. Mm. So it's the, you get everything. It's very yeah. pretty. Yeah. What is something that over the years, as you've done all, you've spent all this time traveling and you have visited these beautiful countries and seen so many different type, types of culture, what is the thing that you tend to learn from each? Do you learn something new? I mean, I know you learn something new each trip, but like, what is something you, you, you go into the trip hoping you get out of it. I really, I just, I go into each trip like wanting to feel connected to like a new group of people and a new culture. Like I really just love experiencing different cultures, but also I just know like it really opens my mind more than anything. Like it completely shifts, shifted who I was. The first trip I did uh, with a group of people from other countries, which is why I ended up doing like the around the world trip was a study abroad program. And we were just with people from all over the world. And that just, I mean, it literally fundamentally shifted like how I thought about myself and myself in the world. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's just open-mindedness and my mind opens a little bit more every time I go somewhere new. 
That is awesome. Yeah, I tend to, you know, I haven't been to a ton of places. I've been some places and I'm also, ten- I'm one of those people, like once I find a place I really love, I tend to just want to go back there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, I've been to Kenya three times and I am just like counting down the days until I can go again. And, um, you know, I've just developed these relationships there. But I mm-hmm. every time I go, I go for an extended period of time, you know, longer than, um, you know, eight, nine, ten days. And so when mm-hmm. I go, I really try to invest in the relationships that I've built there and just try to learn something each time so that I, you know, I can become more educated or I can learn more about their culture or I can learn more about um, the issues that they are facing and the the differences of of their daily lives from my daily life and things like that. You know, I just I feel like the more that we can connect with other cultures, but in a way that helps both sides kind of become educated to our differences mm-hmm. so that we can learn from and respect them. I think that's really what can be beneficial and beautiful at like what makes the world just awesome because when you learn to just really appreciate the the differences in different cultures, it just, I don't know. I just get really excited about it. And really, that's like not the most articulate way to describe no, it. But... I felt like you said it perfectly. <laughs> um, anyway, okay. So I could talk about travel all day. So, I know, right? <laughs> um, so when you got the idea for FAIR, what, and you said you were like, I didn't know how to start a business. I didn't know what I was doing, you know, and it's so funny because I've now interviewed, you know, over 110 <laughs> entrepreneurs and every single one of them says that whether they went to business school or not. Um, and so that's a really common theme among business owners is they're like, I get this idea and I'm like, well, I don't know how to do this. Where did you start? Like, what was your first step when, you know, and the reason I ask this question and I, I, I'm asking it kind of in a specific way because so often I get, I talk to people or I hear from people and they say, oh, well, I have this idea. I think it would be really great. Somebody should do it. And I'm like, well, why isn't that person you? Why don't you do it? And a lot of times I think it's because people get overwhelmed because they see the bigger picture instead of the smaller steps to get there. And so I like to kind of break it down sometimes and find out, okay, so you had this idea. What was your first step? Like that first step, did you make a phone call? Did you like, you know, create, come up with the name? What was that first step before you did anything else? So the first step for me was just writing everything down. Like I had been thinking about it for years at that, up until that point. And I just knew like starting an international business with all these like different cultures, languages, um, logistical (laughs) processes that I would have to figure out would just be like really difficult. And so I wrote it all down. And the second step, which to me was the most important was sharing it with people Mm -hmm. because there are so many people that have so many different ways of thinking. And like each person I talked to contributed like a little bit more about how a little bit more on how to tackle some of the issues I knew I was facing and just like a little bit more confidence, like you can do this. And I feel like entrepreneurs need a lot of that, especially at the beginning. Oh, absolutely. Is because I think the confidence part or the um, maybe the lack of mm-hmm. tends to be the first major hurdle for people is that they don't know or they don't think they can do it. Yeah, I think that the hardest thing as an entrepreneur is not the like actual issues. 
and this is just me, but I think it's like mindset for sure. Because yeah. every single day you have, to, especially at the beginning, you have to convince yourself that what you're working on is going to work when there's no proof of that yeah. <laughs> and that it's going to be valuable to people, you know, beyond just, just like, you can have something that like works somehow, but like might not be like immensely valuable. So I don't know. It's totally a mindset thing, like keeping your head in the game and just like continuing to work on what you're working on despite all the odds. Yes. Have you seen, I feel like there was a graphic that went around, like one of those kind of hand-drawn graphics that kind of went, got shared around a bunch that was like the life of an entrepreneur. And it was like (laughs) kind of like one of these, it almost looked like a heartbeat where it's just like, uh, it starts off of like, I have this idea. And then all of a sudden it spikes up and it's like, this is the greatest idea ever. And then down, it spikes back down and goes, oh my gosh, I'm quitting tomorrow. And then it goes back up and says, I am the best business owner in the world. And like <laughs> 10 minutes later, it's like, I give up. I'm never doing this again. You know what I mean? Like how just in a span of 15 minutes, an entrepreneur can be like, I give up. I'm awesome. I'm never doing this again. This is the greatest thing ever. You know, it just it really is a roller coaster. Yes, definitely a roller coaster. And sometimes I look at my friends and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so envious. Like they're done at five. Like they're all hanging out with each other. And like, here I am completely stressed out. haven't showered in like a number of days. haven't worn (laughs) makeup and God only knows how long. I'm like, wait a second, (laughs) what is happening to me? Yes. So after you kind of that initial, those initial steps, you, you wrote everything down, you really kind of sat down and, and, you know, I know you began to, um, you know, talk with, with other people about it, which I think that's an important step to note is that, um, yes, we are entrepreneurs or you sometimes see that ha- that hashtag solopreneur. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like we all have those people around us that are either the sounding board or the support system or the person that just kind of is our cheerleader. Um, who is that person for you that has really been supportive through all of this? I would have to say like collectively my family. I yeah. talk to them probably every single day and like they all, my brother who's we grew up in the same school grades we're essentially like twins uh we started our businesses at the same time and my little brother and I started our first businesses around the same time so I feel like not only walking side by side alongside each other like through the journey at the beginning but then also like my parents my mom actually started working with me on this company which has been like an incredible journey for us but my parents having the successes that they've had and the failures that they've had Um, So it's really like that collective group, plus obviously a few others, because it really takes a village. But, um, you know, the people that have walked through it or that have done it before, really, those are like, that has been key. Yeah. Now, in the steps to launch the business and launch FAIR, um, what was easier than you thought it was going to be? You were like, maybe you built something up in your head and you were like, oh, this is going to be so difficult. And this particular part was easier. And then on the flip side, what was maybe harder than you thought it was going to be? Easier, definitely finding sellers. Mm. I thought it would be a lot harder to convince people to join us, but it really wasn't like it, you know, first of all, we are operating in a space like the ethical space. People are typically really nice and supportive of each other. Mm-hmm. So people were at Papa Yoga. I still remember she was our first seller and like just the joy she exuberated whenever I would talk to her. I was like, Oh my God, like this is what I meant 
to be doing. And like, and every seller after, it was just like a joy to work with all of them. And it was not nearly as difficult. They were eager to join, to like make this movement work together and also to get more sales to their businesses. Now, what about the more challenging part? Definitely. So the technical stuff is always harder than you think it's going to be always from the very first site we threw up like it was just kind of a disaster and even our we you know launched again this week and it has not been launched our new website this week and it has not gone well and it's not even all within our developers control like it's just random things can sometimes go wrong which mess up like a ton of other things or you just don't anticipate for certain issues and you anticipate for other issues which end up being fine and like all of these surprises are showing up you're like didn't even think about that yeah yeah, I technology is one of those things where you're like you love to hate it, and but uh-huh. uh, because sometimes it's really working in your favor, and other times you want to throw it out the window yeah. and just be like, yes. can we just go back to the time of dial-up and recording <laughs> songs off the radio onto cassette tapes, and it's a whole thing. So <laughs> I know, I know, it's yeah, it's it's pretty ridiculous how reliant we are, but like frustrated we are when it's not absolutely perfect. I know you're loving this conversation with Sydney and wanted to take a moment to thank our sponsor of the show who is able to help make it possible, and that is Cosbox. As you know, Cosbox is one of my favorite ethical subscription boxes, and I have been a subscriber for over two and a half years. How it works is each season, a new box is filled with everything from accessories and home goods and jewelry to the best in skincare and wellness products that are not only amazing, but they are doing the most good in the world. The products are not just beautiful, they are also useful. Now, the fall box... You guys, the fall box, it already sold out in record time. But have no fear if you did not get your hands on one because they are releasing a fall welcome box that will also be limited edition. So you have to hurry on over to stillbeingmolly.com slash causebox and use the coupon code MOLLY for $15 off to reserve that fall welcome box. Now, back to my conversation with Sydney. Now, I want to go back to um, a comment you made earlier in the show that I really loved. And you said, what does the term ethical mean to me? Because I, this is something that I, you know, I've touched on in different interviews and we've kind of talked about it and I get asked about it a lot is like, well, what do you mean ethical or what do you mean purposeful or what do you mean conscious? Things like that. And and sometimes I feel like these terms get thrown around and they do mean something different to everybody. And I feel like everybody kind of has their thing. Um, I am a people first person. Yes, I care about animals. Yes, I care about the environment. But like mm-hmm. to me, at the end of the day, if people are not being treated fairly or if people are not being treated right, that's not OK with me. I mean, like I said, yes, I care about our planet. Yes, yes I care about, about about animals. But I just... My first priority is people. And so that's that's a higher priority for me than, say, buying vegan leather or, mm-hmm. you know, making sure that uh, this company is using sustainable dyes, um, you know, things like that. So it's like almost like everybody kind of has their rankings of yeah. things and what mean what is ethical to them. Now that you are working in this space and especially having moved from Austin, um, which is a very like you said I think we said this before we were um recording but just like it's a very it's a mindset there Mm -hmm. where everybody in Austin is kind of in that space um which by the way I have to laugh that I can totally tell you live in New York City because I can hear all the car horns oh it's (laughs) It's so funny some of the adjustments you have to make you're like 
Yeah, yep. so loud all the time. Oh yeah, we're in New York now. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> I I love New York. I have spent a lot of time there. I have family there, and uh, every time I'm there, I'm just like, ah, New York. The smell of the subway. <laughs> The smell of the garbage. All the, the garbage, <laughs> all of the traffic, all the uh-huh. angry people. Like nobody wants to look you in the eye. I'm like, ah. Oh. <laughs> I know it's pretty funny I like try to remember to smile at people all the time so I'm like I don't want to lose that that's like that's what I did in Austin and that's what I want to do here yeah people people in New York why is this work do not understand about holding doors like things like that no it is not a thing anyway um so yeah so being in this ethical space what have you sort of found you know how do people define ethical in different spaces and um do you think there is a good side a negative a positive side a negative side to it um you know what are sort of your thoughts on this this term being thrown around a lot so everybody seems to have different definitions and we even just did some qualitative research where we use an application that questions consumers about their purchasing habits and like what one of the questions was what does ethical mean to you? And we were trying to figure out, like, do they think ethical and fair trade are two different things, or the same thing, or or what does it mean? No one had the same definition, and nobody yeah. got it right. I mean, quote unquote, right. Uh, you know, based on like what quote unquote experts are saying, which right. of course I'm not even using what they're saying, and I work in the space, so it's fine. But it was just really interesting to see that we're not on the same page as far as ethical goes. And I think that that is okay as long as people are able to trust the companies that are making the ethical mm. claims. And that's where it gets a little difficult yeah. when people who are not really ethical end up throwing those terms around. They call it good washing now, so like greenwashing, but uh, using phrases that don't really align with their actual business practices, mm. it just makes it more confusing for consumers And like, even when Trump says fair trade to reference like trade between countries, like fair trade is like a business practice, it really just confuses people. So, but I also think it probably makes people ask more questions. And that's one thing I try, like in conversations, I try not to define. I'll say like, we're an ethical marketplace, um, you know go down my little seal, but I want people to ask what ethical means or yeah. sometimes give me what they think ethical means. Cause I'm just really curious. Yeah. So as long as the space is growing, there's no negative aspect of even the companies like it's confusing, but I think it also raises awareness because we're really just lacking widespread awareness about some of these issues. Oh, for sure. There is nothing more that drives me crazier than when like, H&M came out with they have that uh-huh. like recycling program or something mm-hmm. in their stores and I'm just like oh, really because you are also advertising that your jeans are 9.99 and mm-hmm. you cannot look me in the eye and tell me that your jeans that are 9.99 are ethically made like you just yeah you can't you and you that's can't. yeah it goes back to what you're saying about people first and like I you might be using recycled material, but if there's a 12 year old girl working in your factory, that's like probably being hit by her manager or like, you know, something's not right there. Like working 15 hours a day, like she doesn't have a childhood. Like, I don't care 
how many times this denim has been recycled. Right. I would like that 12 year old girl to be in school and right. her parents to be paid better so that she doesn't have to work. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And it is such a complicated, messy yeah. system and there's no quick fix, but companies can do better. And like, I am actually really impressed with companies like Target that are large corporations that are legitimately trying to do better. Mm-hmm. They're they're sitting there saying, hey, we are not perfect at this, but here is our commitment to do better. And so I don't know if you've seen this, but Car- Target actually like recently released like a whole, pr- like, I think it's like a path to sustainability or something that they're by 2020 or 2021 and forgive me if I'm completely misquoting this but (laughs) it's like it's either by 2020 or 2021 it's on their website so you can go I'm like I'm not making this up like you can go on (laughs) like I think you can just look at their path to sustainability or corporate social responsibility or something but they have like a whole system in place where by this time they will have checked all of their um supply chains making sure they know exactly that the things in their supply chains are ethical like they're I was in Target the other day because they're I don't know if they're doing it to the targets in New York City but here they're renovating all the targets to the new like their new layout which is supposed to be like fancier nicer I don't know but it's but it's crazy but I went into our Target the other day that's in the middle of this renovation and here here I am in the middle of a large big box store and yet I'm in the beauty section and they have an entire like a huge natural clean fair trade beauty section now like amazing and they're like small companies that I I know some of the owners of these companies and I'm like your stuff is in Target now like that's amazing I went in the kitchen supply section and they now have an entire section of like kitchen supplies like you know dish brushes and things like that that are made in the USA completely made of recycled materials they're completely recyclable and I'm like go Target like I see you I see you. And it's not, again, it's not perfect. But I think when you have a company like that, that is standing up and saying, hey, we're not perfect, but we're trying to do better and we're going to make improvements. That means more to me than H&M being like, look at us. We have a recycling program when I'm like, "Mm -hmm, right. I'm sure you do. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. I realized that was a really long winded. I get a little bit of a rant. But. I Oh, I feel you for sure. But I think you're right. Like it just shows that it's possible. And even there are so many studies out there that prove that like the price point at which we would have to, that we could double the wage of a lot of workers, like every worker along the supply chain. And I'm not going to quote it because I'm going to get it wrong. But the price, it's, it's such a small sum of money that we would have to add like less than a dollar to the price of like a $30 sweater in order to pay everybody along the supply chain, like from the person that plants the seed all the way up to the person like putting the tag on to double their wage or something like that. Like, and, and it's not just one study, like there's a plethora of studies out there. And it's, I think one of the biggest misconceptions is that it's really expensive. And yes, if you add a dollar to every or less to every sweatshirt and you're a massive company like Target, it's going to affect your bottom line. But also the amount of people that will shift because there are also so many studies that consumers want ethical and they want it now. So the amount of people that might become more loyal customers or might buy more from you or whatever could also balance it out. And like it really is not that much more expensive and targets showing that it's possible. So it's not about perfection. Like you said, it's just about like 
doing your best, being transparent, making commitments. And maybe one day you will be relatively close to perfect. Yeah. And that's also something I tell to people as consumers. You know, I think like consumers who are not into buying or purchasing ethically and they start to learn about this or I have listeners of the show who are like, I'm really interested in this, but I'm overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. I think it's expensive. I think it's difficult, yada, yada, yada. And I'm like almost I'm almost like take the target approach. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. you don't have to be perfect. Start at small. This. Yeah. Start small. Like start with one thing. Change the way you buy shoes. Change the way you buy denim. Change the way you recycle your clothing. Like when you get rid of something, you know, don't just throw it in the trash. Like what is how can you be better about how you consume in general? Like buy organic cotton like whatever again whatever's your thing like just start small and go from there it doesn't have to be this complete transformation overnight and I think that that is something that sometimes I'm I'm a I think it's pretty apparent that I'm a pretty positive person I try to take things you know I try to look at the good and everything but I'm not gonna lie like I'm human there are sometimes that I get a little irked at the ethical mm-hmm. community Because sometimes I feel like the ethical community can seem very elitist and can take on an attitude of like, well, if you say you're in the ethical community and you still shop at Target, then mm, I don't know that we can be friends. And (laughs) I just want to be like, get over yourself. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, the way to bring people in is to be compassionate and like help them understand. and. No, and if they are perfect in that area, they're probably imperfect in another area. Right. And like, we're all on the same team as long as we're curious and trying. Yes. So we need to like support each other. Yes, we're on the same team. I like yeah. that, Sydney. Right. We are on the same team. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Well, I love having that conversation because I think it is an important one to have. And I think that it's good to be thinking about that as businesses grow, as your business grows, as my business grows. It's just, and as the ethical community grows, that conversation can evolve. Like, I don't think the definition of ethical is written in stone. Nope. Um, and so, you know, ethics issues that we have today might be different. 20 years from now. And so the definition I think is going to be continuing to evolve and change. So um, I appreciate you kind of giving me your insight and your input in that. Yeah, for sure. And it's, I, you know, I think that if people can start small, it's funny to see how the people around me, as I've gotten more interested in this, I've learned so much more that I'm making so many better choices than I was before when I didn't know nearly as much and watching people around me like it really just starts with one small step and like before you know it you are making a lot of ethical purchases so it's cool to watch the transformation and like like you said the definition is always shifting what it means to you might be different as long as you're taking like little steps here and there yeah you know no I completely agree I completely agree well what is on the horizon for fair and what you know what big things do you guys have going on what would you like to share with the people? So right now we have our shop and like, like you said, it's complicated. It's difficult. What we want to do with the shop is make it really simple. And so what we, we want to expand into all categories. Like if you want ethical toothpaste, ethical paper towels and a whole new wardrobe, like we want you to be able to find all of that stuff really, really easily. Mm -hmm. So that's like the number one thing. It's just trying to expand what we're offering on our website and expand our reach so that more people know that it can be really easy to order online. Uh, And then 
Second, we also have fair dot world because we realized that people are struggling to get their like wrap their heads around some of these issues. And hey, me too, I get it. So fair dot world is all just about education. Like we're just trying to answer some questions. So if anybody has any questions, like we'd be happy to look into it and like post an article. Um, and one of the things I'm most excited about that we're working on now is getting our verification process. So if people are fair trade certified or certified by one of the 10 companies that we accept, um, certifying parties that we accept automatically, then they just go straight onto a website, super easy. But if they are not certified, then we go through and verify them just to make sure that we're doing our due diligence to the best of our abilities. And I'm really excited to post our process online and like our minimums online so that we can be more transparent. So not some stuff that's like right around the corner. And then we have so many things that we want to do in the future. And like, I guess because of the marketplace model, it makes it really easy to start offering services to our sellers. So I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, we want to do fair tours so we can take people to these places. Like you're talking about going to Kenya. We're talking about traveling, like really connecting to some of these cultures that are producing these products. Um, so we want to do that next year and where we're going to go, what we're going to do. I'm not sure, but I'm really excited about, you know, traveling with a small group of people and like really getting connected to some of these issues on the ground. And then so much more after that. I could go on and on, but that, those are some things that are coming up that I'm really excited about. That is awesome. Well, I'm really excited for you. And um, for the listeners, I will have all of Sydney's information as well as how you can shop with FAIR in the show notes. And it's F-A-I-R-E. Yes. Dot shop. F-A-I-R-E dot shop. In case you were wondering, like, don't start Googling FAIR yeah. as in the word. <laughs> without the e and then you'll yes. be in a you'll get too many results so anyway <laughs> um all right so now is the time of the show when we transition a little bit to get to know you on a more personal level and ask some fun questions this is also the time of the show when my husband inserts a movie quote or television quote or sound effect to transition us to the get to know you <laughs> round so sydney are you ready i am ready saw a lady recently crying in the middle of the aisle at Target, just in the middle of ugly crying, hard crying, okay? And I was like, oh no, I should do something. I go right up to her and I'm like, excuse me, ma'am, uh, I think you mean to be in Walmart right now? How about, how about don't cry in Target, Karen, okay? I'm not paying an extra 15 cents for macaroni and cheese to see you cry. Target is for champions, okay? So my first question is, what is your go-to song at a karaoke night? Um, that would probably have to be, oh God, <laughs> this is not that easy. I don't say I'm a horrible singer. <laughs> well, see, it's karaoke though. So it doesn't matter. Like, no, it can... doesn't matter. Probably something old. I like don't know lyrics to any recent songs. <laughs> so probably something from like the nineties, like yeah. <laughs> Britney Spears or yes. know, something like that. Yes. Yes. Britney Spears karaoke all the way. Why a little, not? A little hit me, baby, one more time. Right? <laughs> so. Still know the lyrics to that, so it's really yeah. questionable. Pre-2007, pre Britney. Uh -huh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> um, my friend has a shirt that says, I feel like 2007 Britney. And it just cracks me up every time she wears it. But then the other day she was like writing this motivational quote on Instagram or motivational thing on Instagram. She's like, don't feel like 2007 Britney. Feel like 2014 Britney when she got that stage in Vegas. Like, <laughs> I was like, I, you're like, oh, someone's getting a new T-shirt. That's true. I like it. Um, okay. Next question is, since you have visited so many countries, what is the strangest thing you have ever eaten? Um, I don't eat meat. So I'd have to say probably bugs. Ooh. Like, I mean, crickets and like other weird things like that. Have you ever been to Thailand? Yes. So I always see like my friends who have been to Thailand in the in the marketplace where they just have like weird stuff there. I'm just like, Mm-mm, hard pass for me. Yeah. No, like the the snakes on a stick. I'm like, <sighs> I can't. Hard. I draw the line. Tarantulas on a stick. No, thank you. Hard pass. Yeah. <laughs> hard. That is I'm riding the nope train yeah. <laughs> to Nopeville. I'm on that one too. Yeah. No. Uh, Okay. So next question is, what is your guilty pleasure? Ooh, definitely cheese and queso. Yes. So yeah. All of the queso. All of the queso. All of the queso. I believe truly in my heart of hearts that nothing bad can happen around a bowl of chips and queso or chips and guac. Oh, no, it's impossible. Yeah. Everything good comes from that. Like, Whether you, yeah, it like, doesn't matter. I believe that somebody should have gone. I mean, this is not me getting political. This is just me saying something, just facts, is that somebody <laughs> should have gone into that meeting with Trump and Kim Jong-un and just brought some chips and guac and like peace would be made. Peace <laughs> would be made all over the world with queso. That's all, all you need. World. A little bit of travel and a little bit of queso. A little bit of, little bit of queso and it'd be good. Um, okay. And then the last question is, for what are you most grateful for today? I am the most grateful for the things I don't know, like Mm. just the things to come that I don't know about. And I, that's what I've been every morning in my meditation, just thinking about like surprises, just surprise Mm. me. It could be good. It could be bad, but I know it will always work out. And so just to be curious alive and yeah, see what comes. I love that. I love that. That is, that's deep. It's not that easy to like really feel (laughs) grateful for it, but I've been trying. So I love it. I love it. Well, Sydney, this has been just such a pleasure and I am so appreciative for your time on the show. Um, And thank you so much for all that you're doing with FAIR. Thank you. This was really fun. My most fun podcast so far. Oh, yay. Good. I I like to try to make sure that you guys have a lot of fun when you come on my show. So, (laughs) yes, no, it was very, very enjoyable. So, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. Sydney has such a unique and interesting perspective on the ethical marketplace. I loved hearing everything she and Fair are doing to connect artisans with conscious consumers. I will have all of her information in the show notes as usual. And another huge thank you to this week's podcast sponsor, Causebox. Don't forget to get your hands on that fall welcome box by going to stillbeingmolly.com slash causebox and use the coupon code MOLLY for $15 off. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you're a first-time listener of the show, welcome. 
Be sure to visit the archives for past shows featuring amazing entrepreneurs and business owners who are quite literally changing the world with what they do for a living. And if you are a regular listener of the show, thank you so much for your support and for tuning in week in and week out. Be sure to head on over to iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Radio Public, Overcast, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts and make sure you are subscribed to the show. Clicking that subscribe button helps to make sure that you never, ever, ever miss a new episode of the show. And if you have a moment, would you mind heading on over to iTunes and leaving a review of the show? Leaving a review of the show just really helps me to know what you're liking and how the show is personally impacting you. And if you share the show on social media, be sure to use the hashtag Business with Purpose Podcast or tag me at Still Being Molly on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. This show is edited by my amazing and wonderful husband and executive producer, John Stillman. And the music is by Mark Killian of Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening and go do something good with purpose on purpose. Mm-hmm.